Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. No, it's not Barry White, it's Paris Lawson. I'm battling a little bit of a cold right now, but nothing, absolutely nothing could keep me from TBU. And so I'm here today and the Thunder have completed the gauntlet of January in dominating fashion, going 12-5 and overall and 9-1 and on the road. Adding to the headlines of that month was the eye-catching play of a certain two-way rookie guard who will be joining us on the pod today. You're going to want to hear this. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. You're listening to the Thunder Basketball Universe. It's pretty much the same pod crew, except we have one extra special guest. Alongside with Nick, we have Lou Dort. Lou, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So the man of the hour. Seriously, <laughs> we, we couldn't have picked a better time to have you on this podcast. You're coming off seven straight starts for the Thunder, and over those seven games, you're averaging nine and a half points and shooting over fifty percent from three. Lou, I'm curious when you heard that you were going to get your first start, and Coach Donovan said Lou in the starting lineup. What were you thinking? I was a little bit shocked, you know, because that was the game we played uh, the Rockets. And uh, just I knew I had to go. I had to guard uh, James Harden, but like I didn't know I was gonna do it from like the start. So when he just went, uh, we was going to a scouting report and stuff like that. And he just said, "Lou, you starting and you gonna be on Harden and stuff." I'm like, "Wow!" All right, so I just gotta. I had to like really be locked in and stuff like that. Yeah. When did he tell you that? Like when during the course of the day did he say you're you're starting? So, so the way it happened. So we had uh, like a team meeting in the morning, and like he pulled uh, Hami aside and he told him. I think he told him that he was not. I mean, he was he was gonna go with me uh, to just start on James, but he didn't tell me, so I didn't know until like after like uh, my game time. I mean, right before the game, and we just did a little recap film, and then the assistant coach, um, Coach Brian, and he just told me, Lou, like you going on on James and you starting. I'm like, like and this this really in my head where everything clicked. I'm like. Oh, for real? And then I was, and when the way he said it, for me, it wasn't really clear, too. So right before they called the players in starting five, before the game, and I seen that, so I knew Ahami was not, like, taking his, his stuff out, so I knew he was not starting. So so good thing I was really close to the bench, so it didn't really look like I didn't know. But, like, it was really, like, it was really shocking for me, though. Yeah. Was was it kind of a good thing though that you didn't have that much time to think about it and you just went out and played? Because it, it, se- it seems like that's what you do. You just play. You're yeah, not thinking out definitely, there. Definitely, because I didn't I didn't really have to think about it that much. It was just like like right away. And then when I'm in the game, like I can't really think no more. Like I just got to play, and it just happened like that. I was like, so you had to guard James Harden, but over the course of these seven games, you've had to guard some really high caliber backcourt players. I'm talking Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, Andrew Wiggins, Trey Young. I mean, what's going through your head? We see you on defense. You're, you're giving people fits, and we know you put a lot of pride in your defense, but when you're getting out there on the floor, what's your mentality when you say, all right, I have to go guard James Harden? Well, just... I mean, one of the main things for me, really, like I really take pride on it, and it's, it's really defense. And then I feel like I've I shown it, and I show like I, I, I've been doing a, a good job. And just the fact that coach trusts me and putting me with uh, against these guys, like it really, I mean, it means a lot to me. Just because like I'm confident enough to be like, all right, like I can do this job. And just the fact that he doesn't, like I've been doing a pretty good job. Like it's, it's really good. But I know it's not easy just guarding these good players. I mean, these great players, but like still, like I just. 
always got to be able to like play hard and compete. So there are two types of people in this world, right? They're offensive-minded people and defensive-minded people. And for you, we see that you're very defensive-minded, but have you always been defensive-minded? When you were at Arizona State, when you were growing up in Montreal, playing in Florida, what happened? When, were you always defensive-minded? Well, it's, it's it always been like in the back of my head. Why, when you play, when you start playing basketball, all you want to do is score. <laughs> it's always score, but it was always in the back of my head. And then at one point, like I felt like, like I had a little, I had to step like over some guys I was playing against because I could really play defense. And just the fact that it was like I used to get a lot of steals and like I, I remember when I I used to play AAU when I was I used to get mad because I wasn't scoring that much. And then I was just right, I'm gonna just impact the game another way and just really play defense and just like make it tough on, on the, uh, the people I'm guarding. So that's one of the things that's always been in my head. And, like, in college, like, I, I feel like I took – I mean, I really took – I took it seriously because I knew a lot of people was watching me, and then they knew that, like, basketball is scoring, but, like, defense Im- impacts a lot. So I was just – I just wanted to show it. One thing I've noticed is you just beat guys to the spot. Your lateral quickness, something about your instincts, you just know where they're going to go. Why is that? I feel like it's just me being able to move my feet pretty, pretty uh, fast. Just really, my main, my main thing is really trying to stay in front of them, not trying to reach, not trying to like gamble for the ball, stuff like that. Just really trying to stay in front of them, and like if they make a tough shot, like they make a tough shot, it's gonna happen. One thing that we've talked a little bit about, but I think our audience would love to hear is there's so much screening, so many screening actions, and you've got to decide in a split second: Am I gonna try to hustle over mm-hmm. the top of the screen, or am I gonna try to go under the screen? and meet them on the other side. Mm-hmm. Will you explain the thought process and the, the instincts you have to have in that split second? Well, it really, I feel like it really depends on the player I'm guarding to. So, like, like example, like Devin Booker, like, I had to go over every time. Like, it don't matter. I had to go over because he's a really good shooter. And some, some other guards that I played against, like, I, I, had to, I, couldn't, like, I could pick and stuff like that. But, like, it really, if the screen is really high, like, that's one of the chances I can go under. And if, if it's really low, like, I always got to go over the screen just because it's going to be hard for my big to, like, be able to guard two two guys at the same time. And you're saying that pickup point is, like, a little bit different for each guy. Mm-hmm. So for Damian Lillard, a high screen might be three yeah, feet like, behind the three-point yeah. line. Yeah. It's one of the toughest ones. Like, it's really, like, you really got to, like, I really, like, if because he, he shoot the ball from deep. So, like, I, I got to be up. But, uh, uh, like, I don't want to get cracked by the screen, too. So, like, a last second I have to be able, like, to be able to shoot the gap, like, just go under the screen, but, like, get right in front of him because he going to let it go. Well, one of the key plays just crucial in the Houston game that helped you guys get that comeback was when you did shoot the gap and you went under and you mm-hmm. drew a charge against Harden. Mm-hmm. What did that moment feel like? It felt good. And I, and I actually I knew that he was not going to shoot under the screen because he was going so fast. So, like, that's why I try to, like, really beat him to the spot. And, uh, I mean, it felt good. Like, this is – even I was hyped because, like, that was the moment in the game. Like, we were trying to get back in the game. And then after that, like, it was just a, a better flow, like, momentum. And uh, we just went on a good run. Most recently, your last start was in Phoenix. And we all know that you played at Arizona State. How cool is it for you being in that arena, talking stick arena, and knowing that Temp was only 20 minutes away? Yeah, it was fun. Well, I had a lot of friends. Uh, sad, my, my team, I mean, my team from last year was on the road, so they couldn't, like, my coaches and my son, my, my old teammates, wouldn't be, they, didn't, uh, they wasn't able to come to the game. But so it was just fun just being back in, in Phoenix, I mean, in Arizona. Like, it's, it's a nice place. I like this place. And uh, I had a couple friends I was there at the game, too, and just 
couple of fans to it. Like, I rock, I, rock, I have my ASU shoes on and stuff like that, just nice. to represent. But it was fun. It was fun. I seen a lot of people with some uh, Arizona State uh, shirts on and stuff like that. So it was nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing for Bobby Hurley? You know, I, I don't even know how much you knew mm-hmm. about him, but he's an NCAA yeah. legend. Well, at first, I didn't, re- I, like, I knew about, I heard about him, but, like, I didn't know, like, how, like, like so for some people, he's a legend. So, like, uh, he's really intense. Like, he's a, he gonna, like, he pushed me really to the hardest. Like, like, he knew, like, sometimes, like, he knows how good of a defensive guy I am. And, like, when someone, like, had, a, like, an easy bucket on me, like, he used to really get on me and tell me, like, uh, he's not good enough. Uh, like, you, you way better than, like, there's people watch. Like, he reminds me every time that there was people wa- watching me every time. And, and like, we, we had goals before the season. And, like, every practice, like, he used to remind me how many games we had left. Because, like, I, I didn't know if I was going to be in one and nine or not. But, like, he just used to remind me every time because – that's, that was the goal at the beginning of the season, and then it worked. Like, he really pushed me, and I feel like I really got better with him. I've heard of that strategy, basically. Like, the coaches are hardest mm-hmm. on the best players. Mm-hmm. Did you find that to be true for yourself as you kind of came of age? Yeah, well, e- even growing up, like, my coach from, from back home in Montreal, like, he was – like, I know I was the best player on my team, but, like, he was on me. Like, like at the point, like, I was like – I, like I was I always been respectful to my to my coaches so like I never told him nothing nothing crazy but like at one point I'm like like it got on my nerves you know but like still like I know and I knew it was the for the best of me and now like I'm like if any like and then I had coach Hurley like I was already I have to say like, already used to it and like and that's the the way I like to be coached too so we have a little debate going on in the office and since you're a defensive guy we want to get your input okay we want to know which one is the better defensive play is it a charge or is it blocking a shot? I have my opinion. I'm very strong on my opinion, and I want to know what yours is. So for me, as a guard, I'm going to say a charge because one of the main things we learned is really to stay on our feet and not trying to not jump for, like, for like pump fakes and stuff like that. And I'm going to say charge because charge always, like, like the one I had against the Rockets, like in the momentum, like it just get people going and then, like, you player that, that that you guarding like he knows that oh he's looking for the charge so he's not he's not gonna try to push off no more or trying to run into you so like it messed up the play you guarding at the same time so I'm gonna say charge. Nick what's yours? Can I cheat a little bit and say a steal? <laughs> okay. Because you're that's much fair. more likely that's to get fair. out and yeah, run. Yeah. I mean but everybody knows that that's a great play uh-huh. right? <laughs> like I don't think the charge gets enough hype. I don't know. I'm with you Lou. I think yeah. the charge is the better defensive play. Lou, we know you're here with the Thunder, two-way player, so you spent half of your time with the Blue G League and then half of your time here with the Thunder, but a lot of people, our audience, want to know a little bit more about you and your background. We know you grew up in Montreal. What was that like for you? It was nice. Like, I really, I really like Montreal. It's, it's a cold place, but, like, you know, growing up, like, you really, like, you just like it so much that, like, like people say, oh, you're from Canada. Like, it's so cold. Like, I don't want to go there. But, like, when you when you there, like... Like the mood is just nice. Like it's just like a, like you just get so used to it that it's 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 just turned to be like really nice. Uh, I really like that place. I mean, every time I go back, like I realize how like be- beautiful this place is and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was really cool growing up over there. What were your parents and uh, siblings like, and and you know some of the people that you had around you growing up? Oh uh, well, I have I have five siblings, so we're a family of six. We're a real big family, and uh, I mean it was. 
they always like supporting me and stuff. Like I have uh, two brothers and three sisters, so it's three three. It's like we're really close. Like we we almost talk like talk to each other every like we have a group text and like we always talk to each other almost every day. And then, so it's, I feel like it's always good to like always have a, like a good connection with like with your siblings and like your family because you know that's that's a family that's the people you're gonna have all your life. What did that mean to you for them to be able to see you play in Toronto? It was oh. f- their first time getting to see you play professionally. That was big. That was big. They had to make that drive from uh, from Toronto to Montreal, but still, that was big. And and the fact that at first, like we like we talked about this this game for a long time, and like I didn't know if I was gonna play because you know I was gonna I was gonna I, I mean I'm on two A and stuff. But just the fact that it was there, I had like cousins, I had friends, like I had a lot of people there, and then and we won that game, and like it was just it was just nice. Where do you stand among your siblings? Are you oldest, youngest, middle? Where are you? I'm like the second youngest. I have a little sister. So yeah. are any of them athletes as well? Nah, <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Yeah. Uh, well, they all every, every every single one of them like used to play. Like they used to do sports, but like. It wasn't really that serious. Like, I don't even want to count count as like doing sport for real. So how did you get into basketball? My friends, really, just my friends. Yeah, just like just hanging out with them every day. And then I used to play soccer, and uh, they used to play basketball. And I just used to hang out with them every day. And like it was so weird that I had to leave because I had a uh, soccer practice when they was at the park just playing basketball. So I, one time I was like, yeah, I'm ready to play basketball with them. Like I just stopped playing basketball with them, and then I never stopped. Like I had a quit soccer. Yeah. You have a favorite professional soccer player, soccer team? Uh it used to be Chelsea. Uh his name was uh Didier uh Drogba. Drogba. Yeah. yeah. That was my guy. <laughs> oh my guy. <laughs> you know the song? They they used to sing yeah, Didier yeah, Drogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I heard that song before, yeah. Would you say you guys are a pretty competitive family or do you guys kind of keep it laid back on, on game nights? It depends. I'm gonna say competitive because we actually do a lot of games, like playing like cards and stuff like that. And and I hate losing. And like I really get serious. And then it gets really loud. And my parents they get mad too because we just get really loud. But like it's only like in a good way, competitive in a good way. But like like I'm and, and I'm gonna say like we're a good team too. Like we always gonna have each other's back and stuff. Like we always gonna try to help each other and stuff like that. So you grew up speaking French. And so we know that you also played in Florida, too. What was that decision like to go play ball in Florida for a while? Uh, Well, the decision that I went to Florida was just because that was the only school I had, only high school that wanted me my first year. And uh, and I had no choice. And I, I grew up speaking Creole, too, because my parents are Haitian. And, like, it's there's such a, like, a big Haitian community in Florida. That was crazy. So I met so many, like, Haitian over there and stuff. So it was nice. I mean, it's, it was a di- way different weather. Like, the weather was it was warm. <laughs> Like it was winter time, and I used to call my my people back home, and like I was at the pool while they was they used to show me outside, and it was like snow and stuff, and I was at the pool chilling. You know, <laughs> how does that work though? How do you get connected with fellow Haitian Americans that are you know just around in Florida when you go down there? Well, I, like at one point I, I could just tell, like I used to just have a regular conversation with someone, and like I, I could hear the accent, and I would ask like, "Where are you from?" Like, oh, I'm from Haiti, you know, like, and that's just where we just connected and stuff. Like, I told him, oh, I play basketball, I play high school here, and like some of the people I used to, my barbershop I used to go there was a lot of Haitian people. Like I, I had a lot of like Haitian food there too. That's one thing I'm like, I don't think there's Haitian food out here. No Columbus, <laughs> that's one thing I miss. But uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Have you gotten to go to Haiti? I went to Haiti one time. I was I was young. I was six years old, so I really don't remember. Gotta get you back there, man. That would be fun. No, I got to. I want to. I, hopefully, I got time this summer or next one. Yeah, it's like some of that Creole. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. 
Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And since we've got Lou here, Lou, what's the main thing for you? My main thing right now is the fact that we had two days off, and then I got time just to to like just chill and stay off my feet. And I I was watching Power the whole the whole time because I just had to catch up. And this this is an amazing show. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on in, in this show. And then, yeah, that was my main thing right now. We had 17 games in 30 days. How did you deal with that with your body and all the guys? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean we're getting good treatment out here. Like, it's just like, and we just, we're trying to eat well, like, get, get our body rights and stuff like that. Like, we, we knew from the get-go that we had that many games. So, like, we, already, we was already prepared, but, like, just the fact that we're still like up and we're still like playing hard in every game we play, we compete out of hundred. Like it's it's just good. And then what was it like for you to have an actual practice where you can like go through contact and like actually do stuff versus the past thirty one days it's been kind of laid back practice? Yeah, it's been a long time and I, I can actually I don't remember the last time I practiced here. Like it's been a long cause I was with the blues, so I really don't remember the last time I practiced here. But yeah, it was just nice. And then Chris Paul was just talking like right after the game. He was like, "Oh yeah, I want I want Lou to guard me," and just now we get, we got to go at it a little bit today. That's, That's a cool. big compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it is. It is. That's awesome. It is. It's time for made you look, and this is the part of the podcast where we talk about something that kind of made us do a double take this week. And with you in mind, we found <laughs> a few sayings in French. That made us look. Okay. Because in their English translation, they don't make any sense. Okay. Okay. So we're going to run a couple of these by you and see, A, do you know them? And then we'll try to figure out what they mean. Okay. Okay, The first one, to wedge the bubble. What does that translate to in French? In French? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) To wedge the bubble? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some of these are like France French. Oh, so in French is coincé la bulle. But yeah, this is from like stuff from like France France. like France France? French? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like <laughs> That's sitting outside a cafe, uh, yeah. smoking <laughs> a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline and Lou, you were at the Thunder corporate office for the first time on Saturday, and you got to be a part of a super awesome event there hosting FACT, which is an organization that um, brings in police officers from the OKC community and um, at-risk youth throughout OKC and just builds positive learning experiences. And Lou, you got to be a part of a really intense game that they were playing mm-hmm. with some Jenga blocks, and I saw some competitive side of you yeah. come out. You talk about that for a little bit? Well, it was just, I'm really competitive, and just the game that we play, I mean, the message behind it is just every, everybody, like, just to be able to, like, stick together and not, like, that they're not by themselves. Like, there's people around them that, that can help them. And just the, the game I was playing, I was just, like I was actually mad that I was I wasn't winning because I at first I didn't really get the game, and then as soon as we started playing a little more, I'm like, oh yeah, like it's time for me to get get a win. So, at one time I was up there and uh, who was the the dude the guy that was the running officer. yeah the officer the one that was running the uh, the game, like he he saw me like he saw that I was done, but I think he thought I did something wrong or I cheated some, but I did not. So that's the one I really got up and I'm like. Come on now, like <laughs> I won, like I was up there, 
But still, it was just fun, like, just being around, like, these people and just learning, like, how, where they grew up and, like, how, how they live right now, how far they they came from, like, from what stuff that they ha- that happened to them and stuff like that. So it was really fun. So to put it in perspective, the object of the game was to stack Jenga blocks from your table, but you could only use one hand and you could only use your thumb and your index finger. Mm-hmm. And each person had to do it individually, one at a time. And so if anybody went out of turn, you were disqualified. And if you used two hands, you were disqualified. Yeah. And it was really intense. So Lou finally got a win there at the end. So. His competitive yeah, side yeah, yeah, came yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, I really, like, stood up and I was like, come on, like, look. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. Well, Lou, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I mean, it was perfect timing. Mm-hmm. We got to get a little insight into who you are. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.